Hello, beings of Earth. I'm your host, Neil Verma. Welcome to eBrandCast, where we decode what branding truly is, so you can build a dominant e-com brand. In today's episode, we'll do a bit of a reality check. fact is, what it takes you for you to stand out today in the e-commerce market has changed, particularly for DTC companies. The DTC boom in e-commerce started in 2010 as digitally native brands cropped up, offering better products to consumers at a lower price and, of course, greater convenience with its subscription models and disruptive delivery processes. And the brands that emerged from this first wave were brands like Dollar Shave Club, Everlane, Casper, Warby Parker, and Bonobos, and they became household names and uh, stole significant market share from legacy retailers. These early DTC success stories were characterized by consumer-centric business models, and this extended to their branding. DTC brands didn't just make the rational case for their past on savings, but they framed it emotionally. Take a look at Dollar Shave Club's viral launch ad, and I'm sure most of you have seen it. Mike, the brand's founder, asked, do you like spending $20 a month on brand name razors? 19 go to Roger Federer. And he makes a point that even brand name razors actually cost a dollar. But you're willing to pay more because you're being tricked by marketing. And it's a sly way of signaling that it's a brand for savvy consumers who are tired of being talked down and manipulated by legacy brands. And this messaging, coupled with easier and cheaper purchasing, was a huge breath of fresh air, and it swept DTC companies to e-commerce dominance. But branding wasn't the whole story here. DTC e-commerce brands also benefited from a good timing in terms of the economics. Their rise dovetailed with increased confidence in e-commerce, greater access to Asian marketing, and a new era in social marketing. In these early days of DTC, customer acquisition costs through social was pennies on the dollar compared to traditional advertising. And also at the time, social ads weren't yet flooded with DTC offers, so these first movers really stood out. Fueling this growth beyond this was also a massive investment that pumped money into DTC brands, and they then doubled down on marketing, which led to a significant market share. However, investment in e-commerce DTC has slowed down significantly over the past few years. As of September 2020, um, just $1.9 billion was invested in retail by VC firms based on deal value. And if you compare it, in 2019, it was $3.4 billion, and the year before in 2018, it was at a 13-year peak of $3.7 billion, and this comes from data from PitchBook. In large part, because the economics have changed drastically, it didn't take long for ad platforms like Facebook, Instagram, and Google to increase prices. And with more competition flooding in for the same ads, obviously, customer acquisition costs spiked. And this has led to the DTC bubble bursting. And many of these brands are hemorrhaging money and struggling to find profits. And often because they're spending every spare dollar on advertising, fighting to stay top of mind, and trying to maintain a steady stream of sales. 
But the numbers behind this strategy are harder to make work in 2021 than they were 10 years ago. There are two numbers that have to be right for a DTC brand to survive. First, you need a gross margin of at least 50% and potentially as high as 85%, depending on your product category. And even with growth, the fact is that there are only incremental gains to be made to your gross margin. And second is our old friend customer acquisition. Since the DTC boom, acquisition costs on the socials has skyrocketed. And although the COVID pandemic led to a drop in ad prices, relying on acquisition costs to make you profitable is almost a losing strategy. This might have worked in 10 years ago, but definitely not working today. And just like gross margin, counting on economies of scale to bring acquisition costs is another illusion. In e-commerce particularly, the first customer you earn tends to be more receptive to your offers and more cost-effective to convert. And widening your customer base requires more impressions, which again leads to an increase in acquisition cost. And not to mention, those costs can also change drastically on a month-to-month basis. No matter how clever your product and marketing, if your gross margin and acquisition costs don't align, you don't have a sustainable business no matter what you do. And increasingly, these numbers are getting harder to get right. In addition, the success of the original e-commerce DTC brands has spawned countless copycats. Casper might still be a mattress in a box brand, but today there are dozens of others. Dollar Shave Club is now being outsold by Harry's. And even among e-commerce brands that don't follow the exact same model, the DTC boom has calcified a lot of bad habits among entrepreneurs. There's an obsession with performance marketing and a tendency to focus on attracting a constant stream of new customers with little or no attention paid to retaining customers. Even though retargeting past customers is a lot more cost-effective and actually drives down your acquisition cost. And maybe most important, DTC fatigue is setting in among consumers. The rush of copycats has meant that they're all starting to look the same. Not only are they using the same business models and value propositions, but their creative assets are starting to blur together as well. These newer DTC entrants are underestimating the savviness of consumers thinking they can copy market leaders and get away with it. But consumers are highly sophisticated, and they can spot an empty copycat a mile away. So what is it going to take for your business to stand out today? That is changing. And although we often praise the branding of giants like Warby Parker and Everlane, and they have a lot to teach you about it, their path to dominance isn't going to be yours. And one of the main reasons for this is that What made their offers unique in 2010 and 2012 has been negated today. A lower price and greater convenience, which were the main drivers of DTC's initial success, are easily imitated. And there weren't actually unique selling points in the first place. In many ways, modern DTC brands are following the same general business model as mail-order catalogs. Of course, With more direct access to customers and better targeting methods on socials, the model was a lot more successful online. But in truth, it was an old model 
amplified by technology and not a new approach at all. Where this leaves us now is bringing us back to branding. One of the missteps for some of these early DTC brands was that they built their branding on those early purchase drivers of lower cost without sacrificing product quality and convenience. It sternly stood in the market at that time and resonated with customers, but these advantages have vanished. And they are qualities that are easily imitated. Everyone has access to the same marketing tools and Asian manufacturers. And with so many DTC offers around, cost and convenience just aren't powerful selling points anymore. Something else that's worth pointing out. One of the smart things that these DTC brands did was transform rational purchase drivers into an emotional payoff. Like how Dollar Shave Club successfully flipped the perception that their lower price might indicate inferior quality by arguing that the premium you're paying for well-known brands is just a marketing trick. The emotional implication of the message being that Dollar Shave Club is for the savvy consumers that aren't susceptible to mass marketing. The brand gave early adopters a sense of exclusivity, and they were among the smart few who saw through expensive and manipulative messaging. Of course, while we definitely advise that the emotional appeal of your brand should be grounded in the reality of your products and offers, the problem is that this exclusivity wasn't sustainable. First, because as more and more DTC brands cropped up offering the very same perks, they reached mainstream availability. But even without the crush of copycat competitors, the brands themselves undermined their claims of exclusivity as they grew, since it required reaching out to new customer segments to widen their base. There are two core lessons to take from this bubble bursting on DTC. Branding is the art of understanding why consumers prefer one brand over another, particularly when these are rational reasons like a lower price to choose something else. Like these early DTC successes, your brand needs to understand the emotional hook that will attract and resonate with consumers. But on top of that, while DTC brands in 2010 revolutionized an old business model and succeeded in standing out in the market, long-term your brand needs a unique appeal that can't be imitated or copied to be sustainable. Let me repeat that. Long-term, your brand needs a unique appeal that can't be imitated or copied to be sustainable. Otherwise, you're building a brand on a foundation of sand. Here at eBrand Builders, we refer to this inimitable quality as your brand's soulness. And if you want more detail on how to discover your brand's soulness or build a brand from the ground up that has soulness, we offer a free book called Checkout that will walk you through the entire branding process for e-commerce. Head over to ebrandbook.com for more information if you're interested or to order a copy. So this brings up the question, what actually qualifies as unique? This is a pretty nuanced question given the unprecedented access we all have to the same information over the World Wide Web. It's easier than ever to copycat competitors or for others to steal ideas from you. In addition, the sheer amount of DDC offers out there in nearly every category means consumers have multiple, highly convenient options for any given product. 
And in many cases, several sellers are often offering the very same products from the same manufacturers. And like our DDC friends that have taught us beyond product level benefits and exclusivity, you need to be careful of relying on offers that anyone else can come along and imitate. A legacy example would be of Domino's 30-minute pizza delivery guarantee, which was revolutionary at the time it was introduced and launched Domino's back to dominance in the pizza world. But it wasn't long before it became an industry standard and Domino's had to find other ways to regain their advantage. In the DTC e-commerce world, Casper's 100-night guarantee on the mattress was an industry watermark, especially because traditional mattress stores were notorious for zero guarantees and expensive restocking fees if you changed your mind. Casper's mattress-in-a-box copycats have rushed to offer the same, although some are trying to one-up them, literally. Hammock, a Canadian mattress DDC companies, offer a 101-night free trial. No good idea goes uncopied. I'm not saying you should avoid these kinds of innovations if you find this kind of angle in your category. Absolutely pursue it and embed in your branding and messaging. But if it can be imitated, don't make it the centerpiece of your brand. Rather, look at it as an extension for your brand. So the 100-night guarantee needs to be an extension of supporting greater ease, a more relaxing purchase, and the overall, let's say, reduction of pressure and stress. It's not the make or break appeal of the brand, just a nice perk that aligns with the real emotional appeal. Meaning, the fact that other brands have copied it doesn't take away from Casper because those brands aren't offering the same overall brand experience. And having a unique brand is one of the best ways to make your customer acquisition cost more effective. When you have a unique strategy, emotional appeal, and voice, reaching customers is a lot easier. But they must be unique to your brand because consumers don't want a copycat. They want a real thing. Brands with soulness are a lot less vulnerable to losing market share to copycats or being imitated at all. Because one of the major advantages to having a unique brand that's meaningful to customers is that it builds a real emotional connection with consumers, which can't be imitated, stolen, or replaced. So it's critical for e-commerce entrepreneurs not to underestimate the importance of unique emotional brand benefits. Not just because it's the emotional dimension that can't be imitated by competitors, but because all consumers make decisions emotionally rather than rationally. Professional brands know this and it shapes the world around us. The reason every grocery store you've ever stepped into in your life has produce and flowers near the front door is to give shoppers the immediate impression of freshness. While consumers do consider rational benefits like a lower price, fMRI studies have shown that what's really happening when we consciously weigh rational attributes in our mind is that we're justifying a brand choice we've already made emotionally. And we're not always consciously aware of the importance of your emotional connections to brands. Consider one of the biggest rebrand fails in recent history. Tropicana's ill-fated redesign of their packaging was based on market research. Customers reported they wanted packaging they described as table-worthy, refreshing, and modern. But when Tropicana unveiled the new package that customers said they wanted, it led to a $20 million loss sale opportunity in the first month. The new packaging ended up looking so generic, customers could no longer find it on store shelves, and many thought 
it made the brand look cheap. Even though Tropicana implemented everything customers claimed they wanted, the rebrand failed. Specifically, it disrupted how customers felt about the brand from their forced choice to being cheap. Tropicana underestimated the emotional appeal of the original packaging and seemed to pursue a change for change's sake. Some of their customers underestimated their own attachment to the packaging as well, apparently even though nothing about the product has actually changed. What was uncovered here is that the brand's intangible appeal, what isn't transferable to another brand? It's this non-transferable attachment that's your brand's soulness and what makes you truly uncopyable. To make this a little bit more tangible, Kevin Kelly, founder of Wired Magazine, argued that the internet has made copying and imitation infinitely easier. It's a situation that changes people's calculation of what's really valuable. It also means it's much harder for creators and entrepreneurs alike to offer something genuinely unique. Kelly came up with a list of eight qualities called generatives that are both highly valuable to consumers and can't be imitated. The very term itself, generative, is instructive because what Kelly is arguing is that today, soulness can only be generated. It's something you build, nurture, and cultivate. It's grown over time and not something you can produce in a factory and sell. For example, one generative we are all familiar with is trust. Trust is created over time and multiple interactions. It's something that has to be earned. I won't go into detail about all the other eight generatives on his list, just enough to give you the idea of what he's getting into. One generative is immediacy. Think of a movie release. Every major movie will eventually make its way onto television or a popular streaming service where you can watch it for free or for a subscription cost you already are paying. But there are always people willing to pay a premium to go to the theater and watch the movie the day it releases because seeing it first is more important to them than the long-term savings. Another generative that's a huge driver for sales in e-commerce is findability. Because content today is so easy to produce and distribute, it has led to an overwhelming amount of it. And frankly, in this climate, content doesn't have value until it's seen, so just being easy to find is important. Applying this generative to e-commerce, we find the value of straightforward choices. This is minimalism as luxury. Bonobo started out by only selling men pants and other giant DDC brands offer shallow product lists to remove the overwhelm from customers. It's also the algorithm that runs services like Netflix to help make recommendations that you're more likely to be interested in. In the years since Kelly's article was posted, others have expanded on the list. One new generative quality that has emerged with explosion of social is network effects. Social media platforms themselves are driven by this effect. Facebook, for instance, is only useful because almost everyone has a profile. If your friends aren't on a platform, you're not going to be interested in it. It's a fancier way of saying social proof as many products have emotional appeal because other people like it or own it. This generative is important for e-commerce entrepreneurs because word-of-mouth recommendations have never been more valuable. 
And it's a quality that can dramatically improve your brand's soulness. A perfect brand to case study here is White Claw, a heart seltzer launched in 2016 by Mark Anthony Brands, the parent company of Mike's Heart Lemonade. In 2019, White Claw owned 54% of market share, something they managed to do almost exclusively with soulness. Hard seltzer has been a fast-growing alcoholic drink category, but has always been targeted to female consumers. This perception was based on the fact that the ready-to-drink category has always done better with women, and there's a stereotype that beer and liquor are more masculine. Qualities of the product itself also seem more stereotypically female-friendly, as hard seltzer typically have fewer calories and carbs than beers of the same size and lower alcohol content. In addition, unlike most beer and many liquors, hard seltzer is gluten-free. And although it's false, there's a prevailing perception that hard seltzers are more hydrating than other alcohols. All of this has led to a category catering heavily to women, something apparent in their packaging, most of which is pink and plastered with unicorns and mermaids. But White Claw saw an opportunity to carve out space by positioning themselves as gender neutral. To that end, unlike the obnoxious packaging and colors of their competitors, White Claw stands out on shelves with sleek black and white creatives and a logo of simple illustrated waves. This neutrality extends into their marketing. Although like other alcohol brands, White Claw frequently features images of beaches and parties. Their images rarely feature people. Even when they do, they're careful to evenly represent both women and men in balance. The brand wants to make it easy for consumers to picture themselves in the scene, so stay them a little like a blank canvas. But the genderless appeal also makes it easier for people to recommend the brand to fans and share it with others. Now, I hope you're all screaming at me that gender neutrality isn't enough to qualify as uncopyable. And you're right, it isn't. It's just one element of their soulness. Another reason why the brand took off when it did was because it fit into other trends, like consumers demanding healthier options. White Claw combines a general neutral approach with the tangible benefits of low calorie and gluten-free of the product. Their messaging thus focuses on emphasizing White Claw as an option for people who still want to have fun without sacrificing their health. Alcohol without the beer gut, in other words. This appeals to be a more balanced life, makes the brand aspirational but also approachable, especially when it's combined with neutral marketing. It's the perfect marriage between meeting customer needs while offering a better experience. They also back this up with a unique approach to content marketing as White Claw makes extensive use of Pinterest. Although Pinterest skews heavily female, it's popular with the target age demographics of millennials and Gen Z. And Pinterest does have a quickly growing male user base as well. Pinterest is where the brand showcases their appeal to those looking for healthier lifestyles, and they post recipes and pairing choices. It's a strategy captured in their tagline, purest hard seltzer in the world. White Claw also has a unique approach to customer outreach. They do extensive sampling at events after they realize once people taste the product, they're highly likely to become repeat buyers but they smartly targeted the right audience at the right events. An early boost to the brand came from a sampling effort at Coachella, 
White Claw saw a big spike in social mentions, particularly on Instagram, where users were posting good photos of themselves and their friends with the brand. The qualities of the brand, it's easy to share. Ungendered, attractive packaging and healthy but fun appeal made it instantly popular on socials. After fulfilling customer needs and nailing the brand experience, this community appeal gave the brand a cool factor. A network effect, in other words. But what really clinched in the brand's ascent was a viral video produced by comedian Trevor Wallace on his YouTube channel. It was a skit that wasn't in any way associated officially with the brand, a pure moment of user-generated content. The central joke of the video was something the brand was already capitalizing on, that for some reason, once people try the drink, they can't shut up about how much they love it. The video title, Drinks White Claw Once, is basically a five-minute rant about how cool it is to like the brand. It was an instant hit, exploded the brand's presence on socials, and spawned countless memes. The video's most famous line, Ain't no laws when you're drinking claws, was endlessly parodied and repeated. Wallace even tried to sell t-shirts with the tagline, but white claws lawyers weren't so keen on those implications. But what the video did positively for the brand, aside from increasing awareness, was increasing the acceptance of the drink's appeal with college-aged men. And the summer of 2019, when the video was released, there were nationwide shortages of White Claw due to the increased popularity. Now, this isn't exactly a trajectory you can easily follow because there were certainly luck involved with Trevor Wallace's video contribution. But notice that the video would not have been possible without the qualities deliberated cultivated by the brand. And it does fall an emerging model for future DTC success. Call it DTC 3.0. We call it the NEC model, the NEC model, which stands for Needs, Experience, and Community. White Claw is a brand with deep soulness because it meets the customer needs, provides a unique experience, all of which is solidified by a strong community around the brand. So needs, experience, and community. The community of meme creators and other forms of user-generated content is the point where customers take ownership of the brand, which reflects their emotional bond with it. It's a network effect on steroids. The community aspect elevates needs and experiences to soulness because that emotional bond and in White Claw's case, their pop culture relevance absolutely cannot be copied. Emotional bonds can't be manufactured, only encouraged. One thing we have to give the original e-commerce DTC brand credit for was their insight into the importance of creating more customer-centric brands. Shifting the conversation away from conglomerates towards the needs and experience of customers was their golden ticket. New DTC brands need customer-centric brands too, but as White Claw shows us, the definition of customer-centric is evolving to mean community and collaboration. But because Truly digital means your brand has the ability and willingness to have two-way conversations with your customers. The bond created through community can only make your brand's soulness stronger and more fundamental. Increasingly, community won't just mean a bond with customers, but partnerships with other brands to find new ways to meet customer needs and improve experiences. Online brands could partner with local businesses to share distribution channels, allowing those small businesses to piggyback on e-commerce brands' logistic infrastructure. Or setting up recycling drop-off points that accept waste of products 
from other brands to be responsibly disposed of and reused. And don't forget, closer contact with your brand community means faster and more accurate insights into your customer needs and feedback about your brand experience. This creates a more effective flywheel for evolving and improving your brand, gaining more speed on product development because you'll be so in touch with customer needs and decreases price elasticity because customers will have a much higher, more stable perception of your brand value. You will be irreplaceable. And it's at that point you have a brand you can sustain long-term. And with the updated model for building a unique brand, needs, experience, and community. Keep those three components in mind as you build or evaluate your own brand. And pretty soon you'll have a brand not even your most cutthroat competitors will able to imitate. Wouldn't that be nice? Okay, you've been listening to eBrandCast where we decode what branding truly is so you can build a dominant e-com brand. I hope you enjoyed today's episode where you can let us know directly by leaving us a review. As a new podcast reviews are a critical lifeline. It increases the visibility of the podcast, but more importantly, your feedback helps us improve. And as a thank you for taking the time, we're offering everyone who leaves us a review free lifetime access to the 7C Canvas platform. It's an online tool that allows you to fill out, save, and share as many versions of the 7C Canvas as you can come up with. What's the 7C Canvas? It's the ultimate one-pager building block technique to creating an e-commerce brand strategy. It accompanies our flagship 7C method and is the perfect companion for our book checkout. Getting access is an easy three-step process. First, post a review on Apple Podcast. Five stars is always welcome. Second, take a screenshot of your review. And finally, email your screenshot to reviews at ebrandbuilders.com and we'll reply back with instructions to access the new home of your brand strategy. If you're looking for more eBrandCast episodes, you can find them at ebrandcast.com. And subscribe to eBrandCast to make sure you never miss a new release. Thank you again for tuning in today. See you in the next one. Bye for now. Thank you.